Welcome to Casually Philosophic, a podcast where we examine the nuances of our behavior bit by bit. My name is Ginny. And I'm Carmen. And we'll be spending our Friday evenings sharing our thoughts on all things casually philosophic. All right. Last episode, we talked a little bit about MBTI and how it indicates personalities. Um, so this episode, we're going to... <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right. So last episode, we... All right. So last episode, we took a little look at... What did I even say? I don't know why this is funny now. Last episode... Last episode. Last episode. That was so weird. Last... (laughs) Last episode, we looked at MBTI and how it indicates personalities. So this week, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a deeper dive into the MBTI functions and specifically eight of them. And this was um, a follow of the psychologist Carl Jung, which who is essentially the father of psychology, who talked a lot about the cognitive functions. And so today, we're just going to. Um, do our personal reviews, and see how these function descriptions fit into our daily lives. Yeah. So we'll just be taking like a breakdown, like Jenny said, into each of the cognitive functions, reading a brief description of them, and seeing what resonates with us both personally and seeing where we fit. And at the end, we'll be going through the eight functions. And based on that assessment, um, we'll just basically see, you know, based on the functions, what personality that would lead us to based on the MBTI and see, because we know what our MB, we each know what our MBTIs are, we'll see if it matches. So, you know, for anyone listening, feel free to play along and see which one you resonate with the most. Oh, that sounds interesting. Now I want to listen back to this podcast and maybe in a couple of years and see. But all right, our first set of MBTI functions is around sensing, and we have extroverted and introverted sensing. And I'll start with extroverted sensing and tell you about how it's described on a source that we found off the interweb somewhere. And so extroverted sensing is using taste, touch, smell, sound, movement, and sight to easily absorb information in the physical world. As strongly observant, these people pick up on details other people do not notice, and some even have a photographic memory. They love excitement, spontaneity, new experiences, and material goods. And just adding a bit onto what comes after, so with each personality type, there are certain dominant functions, and I think secondary also, and tertiary. And so once we kind of pick and choose what we think resonates with us the most, may it be, say, introverted sensing or extroverted sensing, introverted thinking or extroverted thinking, and so on, so which one of the pair resonates the most with us, we can, in the end, compare our results with what was indicated on our personality type and see how all that fits. All right, so that was a description of extroverted sensing. Carmen, would you like to enlighten us on what introverted sensing is about? 
Yeah, for sure. So basically, yeah, introverted sensing is what it sounds like. It's the understanding of the world through like past presence and experience. So people who are introverted sensors thrive using routine, tradition, organization, and rules. They're often very attuned to their bodies and have specific ways of doing things that work for them in order to get the job done. They are responsible, reliable, and cautious. So um, also just to give a brief overview, like how Jenny mentioned, um, through these eight functions that, that we'll be going through, um, we can classify them as being dominant, auxiliary, tertiary, or inferior. So dominant functions um, are the strongest ones that you see in a person and are often the ones that we default to. Auxiliary functions um, assist the dominant function and convey ideas and are also relatively strong. Then we have the tertiary function, which is slightly underdeveloped, but does start to manifest in you as you age typically. And then we have inferior functions, which is challenging to access really like very quickly and often only comes out under stress. So just to give an overview, that's how we'll be ranking, you know, whichever ones resonate with us. And then we'll rank it from dominant all the way to inferior. And then based on that, we'll see if that that order aligns with the order of our given MBTI personalities. So just from the description between extroverted sensing and introverted sensing, I guess I can start a little bit about my personal take on this. So there are actually aspects of both that I resonate with and you know areas that I also don't really see myself in as much. Um, between the two, we kind of looked a bit at this before, but I saw myself in more of like the extroverted sensing kind of side of the spectrum. And definitely there are things that I don't really relate with, such as, you know, the love for excitement, spontaneity, and maybe material goods too, um, just because of how a lot of my interests don't really rely on them, such as my daily activities and where I find, you know, more like the activities I find to be more engaging to, that I find to be that like I'm more engaged in but it did mention the extroverted sensing of like using smell touch taste and all like the the five senses to really gather information about the physical world and I do see a lot of that playing in a role in my daily life through either studying or just interpersonal um, like communication say when I'm seeing someone and a lot of my friends know this too but like I have a pretty heightened sense of smell and it does impact a lot of my like interpretation of someone and how I feel about someone even and if there is one scent that I may not be as comfortable with then I feel like I'm more like inclined to stay away from them and not you know try to be as close to them and it's similar to like when judging a person, there is that scent which plays, I guess, a comparatively smaller part in it, just because it might not be as strong or might not be very relevant. But things like body language and how people look and seem to other people and just other factors like or how they sound and like how their movements kind of all play together. These factors kind of are integrated with how I judge a person and how I like my first impression of someone. Yeah, and I guess 
also picking up on details that people may not notice. I love observing people a lot. I remember in high school, I would sit at the hallway, just kind of watch people pass by and kind of write a few words about them. If I'm in a mall and waiting for someone to come out of a shop, I would like, you know, just sit on the side, maybe have music on, I don't know, but just observe people walking by, imagine what their lives would be like and what it would be like in their shoes and just, you know, all that is pretty interesting to me. And I rely on a lot of image in my memory, although the strange thing is I can't actually visualize things in my head. I think there's a word for that, but I haven't gotten around to remembering it yet. But yeah, it's been a good set. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think and like about what your area of sensing would kind of fall under? And mm -hmm. what might some things that may seem different than what I've, ex what I've kind of- Yeah. I think because um, Janine and I, we had like a brief discussion before, but um, I was saying that like the balance between like extroverted sensing and introverted sensing is interesting to me because I feel like I have like a very strong component in both of them. Like I can see how I'm an extroverted sensor and also an introverted sensor. Like for example, um, for an extroverted sensor, they love excitement and spontaneity. And I feel like for a lot of things, um, spontaneity definitely drives um, some of the things that I do for fun and some of my and actions in general. So um, it's almost like, cause I was, we were having a brief discussion about this, but like um, it's interesting because on a very micro perspective, so let's say on a day-to-day -day basis, I'll make very like organized, concise um, plans on what to do in terms of school. But in terms of like my macro perspective on life, like just my general, more bigger, broader outlook or perspective on life, I seem to follow a lot of spontaneity. And I feel like spontaneity kind of drives a lot of the unique experiences that I kind of crave from life, which I feel like is interesting. And I was thinking about this, thinking as to whether it falls more an extroverted or introverted sensor. And I, I want to say I have a pretty decent like hand in both, I would say. But I think in terms of, because we're, think, we're thinking about um, what qualities do we default onto the most or what come the most naturally to us? Um, I would say maybe I would tip more on the introverted sensing side, simply because um, my response to anything unique or different, although I may be spontaneous, even in a spontaneous situation, I feel like, although I want to crave new experiences, I feel like there's a part of me that also wants to counter that with finding the most logical approach to navigate a situation, to be the most organized, to figure out um, a unique situation in a very routine tradition rules type of way. So I feel like it's a very mixed bag, but I think if we're talking about what we default on, I think my introverted sensing would be a bit stronger. Um, but I can, at least for me, I can definitely see both. And that's very interesting because, you know, we often think that it's very easy to determine which ones we are just by reading it. But I think it's good to know that, you know, we can definitely have components of each, but not, you know, have like 100% of one instead of the other. There's definitely a balance and there's definitely like a gradient on which you can fall on. So, you know, I think for me personally, it'd be introverted sensing, but, you know, it's, I, I think there's definitely a spectrum there for me. Yeah, just I think to add a little bit, like add on a little bit more, 
Um, I think something that really differentiated between the two for me, although there were definitely blurry edges too, was like the use of either current feelings and experiences and senses to make judgment and to kind of taking information versus looking at the past, past experiences and understanding what you felt and remembering that and recalling that in order to you know, make certain judgments on a situation. And I think in that sense, it feels like be, as being a person who can't quite remember a past feeling and it's really hard to recall something to really recycle or maybe reuse to cater to a current experience, I feel like it's easy to lean to one side and be like, okay, I don't think I see this as much. But a lot of these descriptions that I'm even just looking at, it feels, yeah, definitely, it doesn't feel like it's black or, or white. And it's, it's interesting how they like thought about this and thought, even with sensing, there's going to be two types of people and it's going to be so different too. I'm also interested mm -hmm. to see how like they relate to the personality types later on mm -hmm. and yeah how that just how it all comes together to play a role in a person or explaining yeah. a person in some way shape or form I think it's like I'm just like thinking about it right now though like it seems interesting that obviously this is like Carl Jung's like ideology that there's like within each of the four functions there's like two sub functions and one is either extrovert or introvert and kind of like tying to our first part of the podcast um I mean sorry first part of this episode we talked about ambiverts and I'm just curious because that wasn't very well known term back in the day if let's say Carl Jung knew about the concept of ambiverts and that there could be a middle ground how would he change the current system of MBTI? This is a loaded question. You don't have to answer it, but it's just a thought that came to my head that like, would there be any change or that is like my first part of the question. And my other part is if that wasn't the case, because each of them are like separated to extrovert and introvert. So two categories, is it possible for there to be more than two categories and that it simply hasn't been explored yet? Or is it that every human will either fall into E or I or some combination thereof. Because like when we did the assessment online, or if any of you do the assessment, the 16 personalities assessment, it'll show that you have a spectrum, but it'll ultimately classify you as either extrovert this extrovert, for example, sensing or introvert sensing, for example. Um, like, can there be more than two possibilities or do you just simply fall in like a gradient of that? I think with respect to extroversion, it feels more like a binary kind of a system in the mm -hmm. sense that you can, you know, pick and choose where you fall in this line. But I feel like going, like moving on to like the other three acronyms, so the other three pairs, I feel like with that, there are a little more depth and complexity into it. And it's just, maybe certain personality indicators will focus on certain types and group certain things together. For example, maybe judging and perceiving is like what can be grouped as this defines a certain type of um, population very mm -hmm. well. 
but which is also why there exists other personality in type indicators that I think we mentioned a bit last podcast. And there's just different ways of looking at people and seeing how they can fall into categories. And I think I read something on how these personality indicators are created. And it's like you have this group of people, large set of population take a set of questions, a very long set of questions. And you know some of them might relate to each other. For example, like, are you happy? Or do you, are, do you smile a lot? Or things like, you know, very similarly, do you think positively? Maybe these you know, all seem to fall under the same spectrum. And once you get the data back, it's like, all right, people who picked I am happy tend to also have picked I smile a lot. And these people also pick like I'm a generally positive person, say. And that gives a trend and it's like, okay, maybe we should group these together and that indicates something. And so it depends on how, like the mindset and perspective, the creator of the indicator test actually, you know, takes it from. But it's interesting to see the different types of, you know, categorization that people have created and how they all have like their own set, a set of values. And they're all like really interesting to see in a person, perhaps someone who have the same like results from one personality test may not have, or like people from who have the same results from one personality test may not have the same in another, just like Mm -hmm. people are different. And yeah, personality tests are still so limited. But going also going back to your first question or first point, would you be able to repeat a bit about what, what it was? I think I had it and then I just, I lost it really quickly. Um, I think from what I recall, it was basically just like, can there be, um, oh no, I'm forgetting. I think it's like, it, I think it's basically just like what I was saying with my second point too, like, the fact that there's like two separate categories, can there be like more than one category? But you kind of explain like how there's like- Right, mm-hmm. I, re- I remember how you were talking about ambiverts. Yes, And yes, yes. when Carl Jung, if he knew about the concept, mm-hmm. what he would change in his theories. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just wondering, I don't have like definitely a solid answer for that, nor even just a, a response, but I'm just, I'm wondering if ambiverts, if they're actually, if someone actually can be one, or is everyone just Mm. a type of ambivert? Because maybe everyone has, even the more extroverted people would, may have an introverted side to them. Mm. And since we're talking about that gradient, it's like, is everyone, is anyone, is anyone a perfect mixture of both? Because that also feels like you're confining someone to a category. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, because now I'm thinking about it, like an ambivert, although it seems like more of like a a loose or a more free way of expressing somebody who has a mix of both, in a way, like as ironic as it is, that also is a label in itself, which can be like malleable, right? And that's, I, I feel like there's, 
like it depends like there's a lot of I don't know because someone who's an extrovert like let's just take quarantine for example maybe somebody who before quarantine was an extrovert and maybe had like 20% introvert inside of them but they were extrovert for the most part but when lockdown happened and they were forced to stay with themselves and they became more introverted would that ability for them to kind of flip over from an extrovert to an introvert introvert imply that they were more of an ambivert or the fact they actually switched from an extrovert to an introvert well actually i'm not too sure if that would be able to change someone because just thinking about quarantine maybe an extroverted person may choose to spend more time it may be virtual time with friends and that's a socializing kind of a situation mm-hmm. yeah so i guess it kind of also goes back to what we were talking about last week if you were if you identify or you are intrinsically one like at one side of the spectrum or like you know leaning towards one side how capable are you of changing and if that really mm-hmm. if that really changes you for good or if it's just like a temporary thing right you know just a thought to think about but you know what i think it's that's just the nature of you know personality tests and just personality analysis as a whole is like how much fluidity is there in a person's personality and how much rigidity is there and where's the balance between a person's ability to fluctuate and to change as a person per se um that versus how much of them is innate and how much of their personality is non-changing and i think that's the kind of the long debated you know like you know age-old question but i think you know it's just something good to think about but yeah do i move on to the next um set of sense of not sensing next set of um functions thanks pair yeah, yeah. sounds good let's start see. with extroverted mm-hmm. okay yeah next up we have extrovert extroverted thinking which is outwardly conveying thoughts through logic reason and analysis Extroverted thinkers are clear and precise, direct, and unmoved by emotional appeals. They are often strong or orators and writers who have thoughtful, well-researched arguments and theories. Extroverted thinkers like to convince people of their thoughts and implement new ideas. Interesting. And then on the other hand, we have introverted thinking. So introverted thinking is a function that seeks to understand person personal ideas using a deeply specified framework. Introverted thinkers are constantly mining their own thoughts in an attempt to be rational and reasonable, slowly ruling out other ideas before coming to their own firm conclusions, and they're often guarded about how they got to these conclusions. Whew, okay, so me right off the bat, if I could say something, mm-hmm. can I just say T-I all the way? Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. T.I. Oh my gosh. I don't know where to start. Okay. For starters. What's even T.E.? Can't understand it. Yeah. Don't know what that is. Yeah. Can't relate. Um, First of all, I think for me personally, mining their own thoughts could not be more true for me. I feel like I always have to take a thought that I have and trace it back to where it came from to understand myself better. Like I always feel like I'm trying to uncover something that I don't yet know. And it's just this like mental process that I feel like is both very natural and both something that I'm curious to do. So combined, just kind of, you know, it's a very natural thing that comes to me. But um, so that's definitely there. I like to think about my thoughts. 
and also like to think about where both where my thoughts come from and what the greater implication of my thoughts are. So kind of gives you some insight into my thoughts, but I feel like a lot of my random, you know, things that I think about definitely do like pertain to like the world and like, you know, just big major world things like, you know, climate change or why people are the way they are or why is there corruption, you know, just, you know, your average daily casually philosophic thoughts that you have. But I feel like that's definitely something that I deal with. Um, and it also uh, mentions that they're guarded about how they got to these conclusions. I wouldn't say I'm guarded about my, con- like how I got to it because I don't think it's like anything to be secretive of. So I don't really agree with that part of the description because I think for me personally, um, I think logic is very important for me. And I like to see how one idea leads to the next and why, you know, why would I think how it's come to be? So I like to see progression for me personally. I like to see how one thing came to the next, to the next, you know, because if there's a jump, I personally don't understand it. So I would be the person who'd be like, why are you guarded about your conclusion? I want to know how you got there. So I kind of disagree with that. But um, yeah, um, in regards to TE, um, one thing I do maybe kind of resonate with is um, that they are often strong orators or writers who have thoughtful, well-researched arguments and theories. I think this is where the logic part comes in because I do feel like there's an element of that that I definitely do have. Like, you know, while I do like to think about my thoughts and the implications of them, I also like to see where my thoughts came from. And I like to present it in a way where I can have a healthy discussion with somebody because I like to see both where my logic is flawed and maybe where I can understand the other person's logic. And I think by that means, um, maybe that kind of leads to one being a strong writer because you have to kind of find a way to, you know, say what you're saying in a way that someone will understand. So I think for that reason, that element of TE, I think kind of resonates with me and having well-researched arguments. That's something, I don't know, I try to do. It's my hope, but I think that's something that kind of gets me to discover my thoughts. So it's kind of like a mix of both, but, um, but yeah. What about you? I, yeah, I, I resonate with a lot of what you said, um, but also a couple of differences with respect to TE, which I think I can get into a bit later. Um, but yeah, with TI, the two aspects, the like first analyzing your thoughts and where they come from, what they really mean and why you think the way you do and just really digging through every piece and picking the parts out and be like, all right, so something to really look into and think about and just pulling the pieces apart, like, you know, peeling it one by one and really trying to get to the core. And that's just, it's a constant thing. You don't really even have to think about it because sometimes it might be like, you know, once you face a major something and then you kind of fall back into reflection and be like epiphany and all that, but it's more like maybe a day-to-day occurrence where it's, you have to really understand where you are and where you're going. And when you're just acting out, that that's that's that brings a lot of uncertainty and it feels uncontrolled and is just it's horrifying. But yeah, the analyzing part, and you, when you don't, you're like, I'm a terrible person. But maybe not even to that extent. But if you're just doing and acting and performing without kind of running it through your thoughts I just I can't imagine 
performing anything doing that. It would feel just very insecure, maybe that would be a way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And there's also the aspect of implications where you want to know and really thoroughly analyze how your actions and how your words and speech can affect others. And like, again, if you don't really think it through, it makes you really overthink afterwards about you know what you said. It's like the when you think back about the moment you said something wrong or did something awkward, but it might be more of a constant weight bearing down on you and you're, it just, you won't really be able to get out of it. So mm-hmm. every time before you perform something or do an action, really just have to think things through, which I think that kind of gets into emotions and expressing emotions a lot too, because sometimes when you really feel a very outrageous emotion, you want to express it to relieve yourself of it and kind of give an explanation for it in a sense. And sometimes when you're thinking too introvertedly, maybe of it, it's you, it blocks you from really expressing that. And instead you kind of just keep everything in and drown it in and then, you know, slowly savor and analyze Mm -hmm. it. And until it either, you know, blooms into a flower and you're like, wow, I understand myself now. Or it's just, you know, you bury it and you're stuck in a circle, just just like perpetuating thoughts. That's, yeah, there's just that two sides. I can't say like how much I relate with it just because it seems to be such a part, large part of how my mind works even. And it's tiring sometimes. And we can't express what you want to. And it's it's pretty frustrating, to be honest. And I guess that's kind of where the difference come in, where I don't think... I have like a great ease of outwardly conveying myself mm-hmm. that be in writing or to another person. And it's, it really just have to be in the moment where it clicks with my, you know, internal or like introverted thinking that like that moment, but mm-hmm. otherwise, like I really like communicating my thoughts with other people and taking in what other people's perspectives might be and really seeing how I think in relation to you know other how other people thinks but just that communication process and that expression process that is a really big challenge for me because i'm not too sure how to express nor do i really know what to express and to a degree i should express it so i think that's where it differs a bit where if i write it needs to be the moment where i'm integrated enough into my thoughts so that writing is me thinking to myself Mm -hmm. yeah but a lot of similarities but interesting to see how you know everything differs too Mm -hmm. yeah and I think for that case because I do feel like there's a split between TE and TI for me I think I'm gonna go with TI simply because it says that like it, it refers to people that are more in tune with their thoughts and choose and seek to kind of explore their thoughts. And I feel like as much as like, you know, ha- being a clear speaker or writer might be something that resonate in terms of TE. Um, I do feel like my TI function is slightly stronger than my TE function, which is similar to what we were seeing with sensing, but I think it's just the same case. 
I wonder how like the percentage you are to each like yeah I or E or S or N how that whether that mm-hmm. affects your cognitive functions too right let's see let's give this a percentage um hmm so let's see extroverted thinking versus introverted yeah how would you kind of rate the two I guess Hmm. split the two I think like introverted thinking might be a 60 or a 65 and then TE will be like 40 percent or 35 percent because I feel like TE is kind of important to me, but it's definitely less than TI. What about you? Maybe a little more like polarized. So 2080 on a good day, maybe 1585. Can I math? I think yeah, hopefully those add up to 100. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got two down so far and two to go. Mm-hmm. Is it okay if we move on? Yep. Right. So next we have the intuition pairs. Uh, I'll start with extroverted intuition and me. It looks like neon, the abbreviated mm-hmm. version. Um, extroverted intuition often means noticing patterns, symbols, and connections in the world that others may not see. Extroverted intuitives live for possibility, often expressing themselves through a tumble of ideas or a constant external brainstorm. Hi, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I resonate with that sentence a lot. Okay, continuing. They may talk about many things they want to do, but not ultimately follow through. Huh. All right, this is my first time reading it, and I kind of want to just stop here. <laughs> For them, it's all part of the process to get the best idea. Yeah, can we just like skip introvert yeah, intuition? We don't need that. Okay, let's just let's just take a look at extroverted intuition. Yeah, we'll do it for the formality, you know. Yeah, we can we can we can skim through the NI. <laughs> yeah, so introverted intuition. Long. Okay. Yeah. I once heard introverted intuition is described as knowing without knowing how, as well as thinking without thinking. It's the most mystical of the, all the MBTI functions. Ooh. People with this function tend to reach conclusions without having a clear idea as to how they got there. They are wise, convicted, and always have a plan to work towards a bigger picture and seek to build and understand complex systems. Introverted intuitives are always processing in the background and regularly have aha realizations when answers simply come out of nowhere. Maybe, maybe a bit more of a mix. Yeah. They may talk about many things they want to do, but not ultimately follow through. Yes. Um, consistency is mm-hmm. a challenge. And it's not like, I feel like a bit part of it, I mean, maybe two split aspects. And one is being confused and really not sure. So that kind of goes with the sentence before, often expressing themselves through a tumble of ideas. A I think tumble. a lot of yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the internal struggle is also in the head. There is a tumble of ideas. Yeah, and when you're confused and you're not really sure what you want to strive for, like it's you're constantly changing and seeing, is this really what I want to do? And is something else what I really want to do? Am I wasting my time on this? I guess that's kind of in a in a higher level kind of understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And that's 
kind of brings rise to saying what you want to do and kind of that just ends there. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is, I don't know if it's an extroverted intuition aspect, but being a perfectionist and whatever yeah. you want to do, it has to be the way you want it. And it has to be as worthy as it come out to be. Right. And whenever that idea, like whenever there's things against that idea that says, okay, you might not really achieve this, everything just kind of goes down the drain. Mm-hmm. And you anticipate so much in the preparation for it. But if the ending product isn't looking optimistic, mm-hmm. then that's, that's that. Yep. And I think like when I'm seeing, like when I'm reading extrovert intuition, like how it says that extrovert intuitives live for possibility, I could not relate harder. It's like, I feel like that's so like for, at least for me personally, that resonates so much because you're always looking for the next best thing and you're always looking to see like, you know, not always being satisfied with you, with what you have, but always looking to see what more can you do? What more can you explore? What more can you expand on? And I think it's like, it's what it is. Like you live for that possibility. That's exactly why you're so perfectionistic because you believe that you can do much better. You believe that you can, you know, like explore much more than what you have right now, which is what you said. It's basically perfectionism. And, you know, and what we're doing right now, basically the constant external brainstorm, this is this podcast, basically, you know, taking the thoughts that we have and like seeing how, you know, trying to make sense of it and what we have. So I think the constant external brainstorm, definitely there. Um, Yeah, not falling through. Fair enough. Yeah. And it's always supposed to get the best idea. So basically perfectionism. I do want to think about introverted intuition a little bit too, because it's interesting because it's known as the most mystical type. And I feel that it's mystical, obviously, for the reason that there's no rhyme or reason or no logic as to how people with this strong function come to their ideas. Like somebody with introverted intuition who gets these aha realizations, like, you know, to convey that to somebody is kind of hard. Um, Which is why I want to say that I do definitely feel like I can see myself having, you know, a a certain degree of introverted intuition. Um, I actually want to say, though, that in for extroverted intuition, how it says it means noticing patterns, symbols and connections in the world that others may not see. I feel like that line and introverted intuition, there's a certain degree that they go hand in hand, Mm -hmm. because sometimes what you do is with introverted intuition. I feel like you sometimes notice things and you can see the end solution to something, but you don't know necessarily how you got there. And comparing that to noticing patterns that others may not see, that's kind of how introverted intuitives, you know, come to what they know because they can come, they can find a solution using a very nonlinear path and something very hard to explain to people And that solution is usually something that maybe other people may not see. So I think that's kind of been the case with me. Like in a lot of my high school subjects that involve very step-by-step rationalization of where my thoughts came from, um, in certain cases, I'm able to do that. But sometimes when it comes to very unique patterns or symbols or connections that I tend to observe, 
sometimes it can be hard to pinpoint or describe exactly how I got there because sometimes it just feels natural. It just feels like logic to me, just feels like common sense. But in reality, it's not common sense, which is why I think for me, what happens is there's often a little bit of a gap of communication where it's hard to explain that to somebody. And that's why, you know, sometimes ideas don't get conveyed properly. So I think in that sense, extroverted intuition and introverted intuition, I feel like there's a good proponent of both and they both kind of play into each other in my day-to-day life. But yeah. Yeah, I can see a lot of that in like studying and understanding something that may be new to. Like a lot of learning about something is, you know, waiting for waiting to see when it clicks. I just feel like maybe just with different people in general, but I think there's a more generic location or like point where a certain information clicks for people. And then maybe for certain extroverted um, intuitives, or maybe even introverted intuitives, it's just depending on how they really see the world and how they make connections. It just, the click may just come at a very different point than other people. May that be earlier or later? And it's just that process, it's a little hard to explain Mm -hmm. to others just because of how you just learn differently. And so it's interesting to see that come out in studying, but also in worldviews and how one understand more common, like common daily aspects of, you know, a person's life. But the thing is, like, even if we did, like, the reality is, based on um, what introverted intuition is, even if we both of us had a very strong introverted intuition, we wouldn't be able to explain it really well how we got there, because it is very mystical, and nobody knows how you get there. So, you know, there's that. But I think maybe, like, to help explain it a bit more, it's like, if, let's say a problem is presented to me, and this problem was comprised of maybe five different components, And what happens sometimes I feel like in my brain is I'll take one of those components and I'll just create like an internal like mind web of like everything that relates to it. Like, for example, if I hear the word chair, I'll think of brown, I'll think of wood, I'll think of trees, I'll think of like, and it just expands and expands and expands and grows like that. And so maybe it started like with the word chair, I think trees, I think leaves, I think earth, I think, you know, nature or something. And I feel like that's kind of the best way to explain it. So it's sort of like that process, but at lightning speed. And so sometimes we don't see that our brain went from like trees to nature to whatever, whatever. We don't see that very clearly, but that's kind of the mental process that goes through. So we'll see, maybe we start with chairs and we ended up with world and we think, well, how'd you get there? And somebody says, oh, that's interesting. How'd you create that connection? And I feel like that's kind of a process that happens very spontaneously, at least in my head sometimes, which is why kind of it leads to me thinking of very, like connecting two very dissimilar things together, which I think kind of falls into what introverted intuition is though, or at least a part of it, you know, cause it's hard to explain, but you know, the best I can kind of do. Yeah, for sure. Just something I'm seeing from extroverted intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that line following a tumble of ideas or it says a constant external brainstorm. Mm-hmm. I think just pinpointing on that thinking process wise, maybe this is like the podcast kind of makes it apparent, but thinking internally and 
making that those connections internally is a lot less challenging than speaking an idea out if I haven't mm-hmm. thought through it enough. Right. So I feel like in that sense, there's less of a connection there. Constant external brainstorm. I feel like I'm more mentally productive um, in like organizing thoughts and sorting through everything out when everything's in my head versus when I'm actually trying to explain it to someone, may that be through verb, like verbally or through or in writing. Um, but maybe that also goes with the thinking aspect of it, intuitive thinking, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was intuitive thinking. <laughs> um, sorry, introverted thinking or extroverted thinking. But yeah, that was, I think that's just something I wanted to point out. Um, but yeah, is there anything else for the intuition pair? Uh, no, I think that's about it. We can always, I guess, refer back to it if we need to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that brings us to our last pair, which is on feeling. And we can switch it up maybe a bit. You want to start off with extroverted feeling? Yeah, sure. So yeah, so basically extroverted feeling is concerned with harmony, bringing people together, and caring. Um, extroverted feelers are great at reading the emotions of others. They are big empathizers, absorbing the feelings of others around them to the point that they sometimes cannot tell which feelings are their own. They can easily squash and step around conflicts, and they are typically very social. Introverted feeling is a function concerned with authenticity, individualism, and values. Introverted feelings, introverted feelers know what they believe, have a strong sense of self, and can easily identify their personal experience of emotion. They are often outspoken activists and love to help those in need. They don't have strong feelings than oh, they don't have stronger feelings than others who utilize this function, but they do have more mastery over them and can put them towards change of self, of others, of society. Hmm. I'm leaning strongly towards one side here. Which side? The extroverted side. Mm-hmm. Nods. Yeah. It's, I feel like the introverted feeling is out of the eight, what I least kind of relate with. Mm. Maybe it has to do with the sense of self and I'm not really at that stage of my life where I have you know, a strong sense of self yet. Mm-hmm. And I think... So far as to like up to this point, I don't think I've kind of ever had a point where I'm like, wait, I think I think I know who I am or anything related to the sort. It's always just a constant learning process, a constant discovery process. No, I, I guess maybe a fun example around last year, last year, maybe around this time, like I would, I mean, kind of growing up, I would always try to find someone, uh, something to do or like a hobby interest something that like I want to use to define me and last year this time this is it's pretty funny to me so I think I saw on YouTube or something like of a person eating raw mushrooms but it's more like a daily habit kind of a thing it's like oh I snack on these and I saw that is going (laughs) I'm really trying to guess where this is going go on it's 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 not going to be too far off I guess but I really like mushrooms I think I think 
love that strong sense of self. Um, but I've just, it's been like one of my, yeah, I think, I think I like it a lot is where I'm going to end it as, but cooked mushrooms. And it's one of my favorite vegetables, I'd say. And after watching that person, I'm like, that's some individualism right there. It, it was more of a like unconscious kind of a thought. And so went to the fridge, there are mushrooms there, raw mushrooms, didn't cook them, took one, washed it. You see where this is going now, right? Yeah, I like mushrooms mm -hmm. and sprinkled a bit of salt on it, took a bite and like, this is good. <laughs> but more I'm of fine. a convincingly to myself in a sense maybe did that for a few days, maybe two, three, you know, maybe like three raw mushrooms in total, maybe four. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll ever go back to that again. <laughs> but I convinced myself so much that in my like daily journal at the time, I was like, I really like raw mushrooms. And I don't know where that came from. But even with other things like hobbies, this like a lot of things in life is just a constant kind of repetition of that it's like mm -hmm. I think this is really cool and I want to use it to identify myself right and it's also kind of that constant search where it's like I really wish someday I can find something I'm really passionate for mm -hmm. and really authentically believe that yeah like that's I can I can devote a lot of like I can kind of lean fall back on it maybe and it's something I can go to, mm -hmm. in a sense. Don't have a strong sense of self. Um, outspoken activists love to help those in need. I think it's really hard to get into that. And I think it may also play into some of the other functions where it's like, if I can't really express myself really, really well and really, you know, outwardly, organizingly kind of express my, my emotion and what I feel, and how can I apply this to help someone else? Because there'll probably be a lot of confusion unless you find someone that, you know, it just clicks. Mm -hmm. And then conversations just go wild and you you would be on Zoom calls until like 3 a.m. sometimes just because it just, it doesn't end. But the conversations, it wouldn't really be conclusional <laughs> because... It's just a lot of questions and thoughts and be like, oh, that's interesting. I want to keep thinking about that. And that's what we call the existentialist spiral. Or being casually philosophic. That's true. <laughs> there we go. Right on brand. Yeah. But yeah. Is there, you were kind of yeah, nodding like, quite a lot for extroverted. Is there? Uh, yeah. I think in terms of extroverted, Yeah. I yeah. feel like when it comes to like big empathizers and like, absorbing people's feelings that they sometimes can't tell which feelings are their own, I probably could not relate harder to that. Like, I feel like sometimes I'll go, it's very funny because like if, I sometimes feel like you're a sponge, but like in a not so good way, mm -hmm. like you'll go into a public space, like depending on what it is, it can be good or bad. So maybe you enter a mall that's very rushed and hectic. Like I can spend maybe 20 minutes there and then come back, like I'll like maybe come back to the car and I'll feel like agitated and sad and sad. 
even if I walked in neutral, mm-hmm. like I'll notice my mood shift like almost immediately. And that kind of goes with a lot of places too. Like if it's a very positive environment, everyone's like hyping each other up, like I'll just like instant mood switch and I'll just maybe like become not become someone I'm not, but like I'll just I can range like my emotions can fluctuate on a very extreme scale versus if I put in, if I'm put in a very maybe I don't know not so happy place or whatever or I'm surrounded by people that are very sad or you know not feeling good like I can sense that even when they're not saying it and I can pick up on it and then when I detach myself from the situation I'll feel like oh why am I sad I just feel sad for no reason and I think that's where the mental process comes of digging through your emotions and seeing what you feel. And so it's like a bag of emotions. And when I come back from somewhere, like I'll open up the bag and like, look at all the emotions and I'll be like, where did this come from? This was not my emotion like 20 minutes ago. And it's so bizarre that like, I can sometimes be carrying the exact emotions of people that I've been around, even though I've had nothing to do with them. I've not sure the exact same experiences as them, but just the fact that they were experiencing that beside me kind of warrants me to pick it up unconsciously and think that I'm experiencing that, which is so weird. (laughs) Yes. Osmosis. Osmosis. Yes. I just absorb my surroundings. So I have to like, I don't know if this is weird, but like sometimes if I know I'm going into a space that is highly energized in terms of emotions, of feelings, you know, like maybe a public space where I know there's gonna be like a whole plethora of different people. I have to like visualize a bubble around me of like a barrier that like, okay, this is me, this is me, this is me. You're not them, you're not them, this is you. Like, and I have to remember my conscious state. I have to remember how I'm feeling and I have to hold that like as close as I can. It's like a balloon. It's like, if you let it go, it's gonna fly away. And I have to sometimes in certain cases, hold on to it because if I let go I'm going to forget and I'm going to accidentally pick up someone else's thing so it's like if I have a bag of emotions I have to hug on to it knowing that okay you're feeling neutral today stick with it you know and that's why sometimes when I come from these places I have to kind of you know do a bit of internal cleaning to kind of get back on track again because I'll realize I picked up somebody's emotion on the subway who was feeling sad like it's kind of bizarre so that kind of like bubble around me has been kind of helping me to like kind of maybe play a trick on my mind that like you know you're in your bubble nothing can come in nothing can go out and this is you so basically extroverted feeling yeah I can feel Mm -hmm. that um they can easily squash and step around conflicts and they're typically very social I can agree with this one um squash and step around conflicts what that means squashing and stepping around wait stepping around makes sense squashing squashing conflicts i think those are two very different things now reading it yeah because you can either leave the conflict or go to a conflict you know like you're squashing it so you're attacking it or you're stepping away from it so you're leaving it i wonder if squashing the conflict is like diminishing it like there's really no conflict here you don't Uh, really need to talk about this yeah or like stepping around is like, okay, I'm going to avoid this. You do you. Mm. Maybe in like a more I saturated mean, way. I guess so. But I think in that case, I would still resonate with it because I try to, I think for me, I try to resolve conflict where I can, you know, which is not yeah. healthy all the time, but I think it definitely does happen more naturally than I like to admit. 
So probably that, and they're typically very social. I feel like the situation depends, but I think that if I'm put in a social situation, I can be social, but like, it won't be the first thing that comes to me. Like, it's not a natural impulse, but like, if I was put in like maybe a school setting, like a classroom with a few peers, like I can activate something and I could just start talking. So that's extroverted feeling. So I don't know. I feel like this one with me, it's, it's kind of a split because Effie is definitely very, very strong. I feel like FE, I might extrovert a feeling. I feel like I have more of that, I want to say. Because authenticity, individualism, and values, like you said before, like sense of self, maybe because we haven't developed that much and we don't really know ourselves. So it's like, it's hard to say that we have like this individualistic strength in us or a value system that we can fall on. Um, so I agree. And I think this is like how we mentioned in the beginning that there's like, you know, um, we're going to say tertiary functions, because sometimes tertiary functions, um, they develop with age. So maybe that could be it. But overall, though, I'm just going to say that extroverted feeling is probably what I relate more to. Yeah. Even what you with what you just said, it's like, there are a lot of things I do relate with too but probably a, maybe a bit of differences when you were talking about a sponge you're like mm-hmm. instead of absorbing feelings I'm more like it feels more like a chameleon in a sense but the colors that yeah. I convey or like that I show reflect back yes, is yes, yes. more of my own interpretation of the colors yeah I feel like I don't quite I don't think I would be able to understand how the other person is feeling mm-hmm. but it's I would feel how what my interpretation of their feeling would be in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like if they're sad or angry about a situation, I may be more inclined towards feeling a different feeling than how I was, you know, when I first got into it, mm-hmm. which I think recently actually has been changing. And when you mentioned a little bubble, I feel it's very similar, but as opposed to being a bubble, it feels like when there's a bubble, there's you inside the bubble. And there's that sense of you have, there is a you. Whereas I feel like okay. everything's just kind of messy and chaotic. Mm-hmm. I can't really identify a me, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that kind of makes me really easily swayed by other people. Yeah. If I get one judgment, it's like you, like, that breaks apart your whole philosophy. You have to analyze our whole life all over again. Be like, how? What am I oh, going to do with this? We're starting of- from we're starting from scratch again. Yeah. You know, back to zero. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of goes to show how a lot of maybe minor things to other people, how mm-hmm. really greatly that impacts your own life. Mm-hmm. And with like kind of the bubble, it feels more like a mental like stepping out. You're you're not really you anymore. And so whatever body that kind of helps you feel things and that makes you feel things, you're kind of stepping out of all of that. Yeah. And you're just a physical being who like you're, you're trying to make sure that whatever someone, whatever someone else say, the only perspective that you're looking at it is an analytical one. Mm-hmm. And I just find that whenever I have more difficult conversations with people, may that be regarding revolving conflicts or revolving like 
like emotional discussion, if I can, and usually it would be like, I would need to, and I would force myself to like just stepping out so that I'm not going to say something that I'm kind of emotionally attached to and make it really impact negatively on either another person or say something that I'm really just not meaning. Um, I guess that also goes hand in hand with, I believe it was the T function, but I can't remember too well. But it's just like, you have to separate that side of you because you know that you're, you're going to be thinking, uh, sorry, feeling extrovertedly. Mm-hmm. And so you, you need to separate your kind of physical yeah. self with that mental aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, extroverted feeling, it's a pain sometimes. Yeah. You don't know what you're feeling. It's just, it's just there. Mm-hmm. And I think that like to what you said, like the chameleon thing, I've definitely said that to someone before, like that's how I feel. Um, it, it's like, I don't know if this relates exactly to sense of self, but just an observation of mine is what used to happen. And again, I don't really know because of quarantine, but let's see when I go out again. But for the most part, what used to happen is if I met somebody um, or just in general, like whoever like I talked to in person, sometimes what would happen is I would start to become that person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's yeah. weird, but like... It's like they rub off on you, yeah. but you're kind of aware of it too. Yeah, but you kind of go along with it. Yeah. Which, honestly, it sounds manipulative, but I promise it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like you pick up on their speaking style, on their body language, like very small details. And again, this isn't something I consciously cherry pick. I'm like, oh, they're speaking like this. I'm going to speak like this. I don't think yeah. that. It just happens when I talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like I'll subconsciously pick up on things and I'll reflected back which is weird yeah. you know and I think by this you can kind of see which MBTI we're kind of hinting towards <laughs> if it hasn't been a debut you... for somebody who knows but you know oops oopsie daisies well I guess that leads us to our final drum roll please um all right so at the very bottom we have okay so I guess reflecting back a little bit so with Carmen, if I did remember this correctly, mm-hmm. you chose extroverted sensing, introverted yes. thinking, extroverted intuition, and then extroverted feeling. Yes. Yes. All right. And I have basically the same set, except I have introverted sensing. No, 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 no. The other way around. I had extroverted sensing. And you had introverted, but everything else is the same. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. And so actually, Carmen and I have the same personality type, at least for MPTI. Um, That's we're interesting. Both, drum roll, please. What are we? <laughs> Humans. We're human beings. We're both, I, we're both INFJs. I don't remember what the name for that is, but we are introverts into like in leaning towards the intuitive side and then the thinking side and then back to the judgment side and that's let's take a look at what the dominant function and auxiliary and tertiary inferior functions are in that order mm-hmm. so for infj just uh, scrolling to see 
we have Ni as the dominant. I think we both chose an E, which mm. I think we did find a lot of similarities between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Um, we are in the second one. The auxiliary function is extroverted feeling, which hello, hello, fellow extroverted feeler. And then introverted thinking and the extroverted sensing. Mm-hmm. So I think we match rather well, mm-hmm. but definitely there are aspects from both sides for some of them that we've picked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wondering if there is one that has the set that we chose. But with dominant functions all the way to inferior, that may be a bit different. Yeah. What was the one that I picked? I picked, what was different between yours and mine? SI. So introverted sensing. SI, TI, NE, and FE. Oh, that's ENTP. Interesting. ENTP. Wait, that's so weird. Hmm. How about the same set for SE? Uh, N E T I. That makes E S T P. Yes. But that's assuming that the extroverted sensing is the dominant function. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. No, I've actually I've recently been like kind of in a dilemma, thinking, am I actually an introvert or like an extrovert? And it's like you know the ambivert thing kind of coming yeah. out and be like. You're both. I wonder which kind of mixture of both. Am I an extrovert introvert or introvert extrovert? But there are also a lot of mm. external factors, such as like, you know, self self-confidence and like, you know, what if you're an extrovert but you're socially anxious? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. I think like I want to believe that because we're definitely like evolving as people and there's like you said, there's a confidence part in there too. And I think that for a lot of the functions, there's kind of a confidence element that, you know, can change or possibly like cause us to reflect certain things more than others. So I think like as we develop as people, they will definitely be there def- there will definitely be some fluctuations. But um but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I yeah. It's like yeah, I don't know. It's hard to think. The MBTI test once a year and see how you change over time. Yeah. Or start a podcast and hopefully yeah, keep it. Figure it along the way, you know, while you're recording. Yeah. Have an existential moment, you know, live. But but it's good to know. I think Or it's before. A, or before or after or whatever, whatever floats your boat, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think it's a good exploration to see, like, you know, how you think you'd perceive yourself versus the test that's generated on 16 personalities based on those questions, what's more reflective and what they seem to pick up on that we're not able to pick up on and what are the differences. So it seems like based on our, you know, conclusions that for the most part, it's pretty similar, but there definitely are some functions that were kind of like, hmm, interesting, you know, by difference or what of like at least one, but I think Mm -hmm. for the most part, we're kind of on the same page generally. I guess it would also depend on the description and when we look at this. Yeah. Our mind centering it. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, there you have it. If you're interested in learning more about compatibility and features, browse and job stuff too, please follow our, yeah, no, we're not going into that. Thank you for listening to our episode once again. Yep. Be sure to follow our podcast if you're interested for more episodes. Um, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed. Have yeah. a good whatever. Have a good day. Have a good everything. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.